Well, we've come to the end of this, um, this beautiful time together. We just want to say again, just thank you so much. We have been so blessed, and we are really excited for what God is doing, has done. We, have, we just have such a rich heritage uh, already, and, and, um, and yet what he is going to do is going to be absolutely fabulous. So let me, um, hopefully you know, we've had such a good time, hopefully the teaching won't take us down, but I'll, I'll, try, <laughs> I'll try and make it as much fun as I possibly can. <coughs> um, but I, th- I think, think we've got something good for you. I, I, we, when we were praying and um, you know, knowing we were coming here, and, and um, it seemed really clear the, the kind of theme that we were to bring. And, and, um, and, and we've talked about this thing. So for those that, that haven't been here for the rest of the time, you know, we've, we've had this theme of th- that, that to make progress, we, we lurch. We lurch, you know, walking is, walking is lurching. It's, it's leaning one way and then leaning the other. And we've talked about this thing of... of uh, Kingdom expansion is one lurch, and building community is the other. We've spent a little time on uh, the first night on this thing of kingdom expansion. And, and again, you know, I mean, one of the things I didn't say that first night was this, that, that when we get to that edge of that, um, the advancing edge of the kingdom, that place where, where darkness and light clash, where the two kingdoms meet, there's, there's, this, there's this incredible thing that kind of takes place at that point. It's, I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but but there's this, this beautiful rhythm. This, the Bible's full of rhythms. And, and one of the rhythms that you kind of notice, even with the gifts of the Holy Spirit, is this. That, that it says, you know, the, there's someone loves, and then someone starts giving gifts. There's, there's constantly this kind of rhythm. You know, we know John 3.16. The Father loved the world so much. And his response to the, in that love was to give. And, and, and he gave his only begotten son. You know, in, in um, Ephesians 5, 25, that Jesus loves the church so much. And his response to that is that he gives ministers. He gives Ephesians 4, 11 and 12. You know, the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to equip the people to do the work of the ministry. And, and, and not only that, in, the, in John 15, it says, I love that chair. Right? So it's just, it is just the best. <laughs> I should be maybe peeling you some grapes and stuff. Right? <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. But he gives, again, because he loves the church so much, you know, he gives the Spirit. And then the Holy Spirit loves, loves people so much that he gives these spiritual gifts. And, and that's what we get to experience at the advancing edge of the kingdom, that, that because the Holy Spirit loves people so much, you know, sometimes, sometimes we, we struggle with this thing of inadequacy of what am I going to do? I don't, know if I, had, I don't know how to do this really well. But it's, but it's, but it's not even so much how much we love, it's, it's how much he loves you know, I, I've, I've often kind of had times when I'm just like, oh, my, you know, get up in front of church and kind of go, you know, I just, I just am tired or I'm, I'm kind of feeling pretty blah. And, you know, and, and, and I, I just remind myself, you know, that, that even if, this isn't about me. This is that he loves the people that, that I'm standing in front of so much that he's, that he's going to do something good. Even, even, if it's, even if I'm not capable of, of contributing to that, even if I'm a little bit of a, a blockage to that, he's still going to bless people, you know, and, 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 and again, it's this, it's this beautiful sense that the Holy Spirit loves people so much that he gives spiritual gifts to Christians to pass on to the world, you know, and, and we love Christians, love people so much that we pass on those gifts, and so, and so there's, this, there's this beautiful transaction, love takes us to that edge, and, and, then, and then again, love unleashes the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and, and, we, and we give these things away, and, and then you know, what Dan was reminding us of uh, this morning was um, 
actually, actually so many things, but, but talking us through this, this, the beautiful rhythm in a church plant. And like I was saying, I think on that first night, that, that we've, we've actually got, we've got a few couples like Dan and Gab around New Zealand at the moment that are, that are just absolutely passionately planting. And I, you know, what's happened because we've had these planters amongst us, you know, it, it has given some of us old folks a good kick up the backside because I've been watching Dan and Gab the way they've been planting their church and we've got another couple down in Wellington um, Christoph and and Jane watching watching how fervent they are about their planting of their church and we're like Oh yeah, that's right. We're meant to be going after everybody, aren't we? You, you sort of get to a, to a point in church life where you're kind of like, this, this is kind of fun. I'm hanging out with my friends every Sunday. This is great. You know, there's, you know, I'm enjoying it. There's nice activity of the Holy Spirit. There's enough stuff happening just to just to kind of keep ticking along. And these these young bucks are just coming and snapping at our heels. I love it. <laughs> it's absolutely beautiful because because they are reminding us. Like, you know, I, and again, you know, when Dan was talking this morning, it just reminded me that you know, there's there's so much intention about what they're doing that that you, you tend to forget after a few years of, of just being in church leadership that that it's like you know you chase every lead you know you chase every phone call you chase every little little kind of divine opportunity you, you, you chase those things and um and sometimes you know sometimes we don't and, and I've loved that you know I've loved the intentionality of the of the right foot and the left foot of of you know of, of going after the kingdom going after the community and then and then Vicky this afternoon reminded us that that ministry is about this this thing of biblical hospitality it grabs both these sides of this walk that that it, that it touches this thing of kingdom kingdom expansion and it touches the thing of building community because because biblical hospitality is about is about welcoming and making room for the stranger and in that that atmosphere and that and that space that's created that stuff takes place and so you know I, I guess in one sense you know we're, we're really kind of leaning to this thing of the most important thing to have is rhythm you know, it's not one thing or the other. It's rhythm, and it's and it's forward motion. And we lean. You know, this is a season. I think, particularly for 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 the vineyard in Queensland, this is a season not to lean back, but this is a season to lean forward. You know, and to be looking and kind of going like, where are they? You know, where where are the leads? Where are the where are the little trails that we're going to chase? You know, as hungry church planters. You know, where are the people that we're looking for? Because people bring people. You know, and it's and it's that kind of thing. I think that the Lord's just kind of you know I feel like He's just struck a match. You know, and and reminding us again. Yeah, that's that's what this thing is about. Now, so tonight, uh, what's the time? Um, tonight, I'll I'll I'll, I'll, um, I'll see if I can do this in half an hour. How's that? Sound good? Before the cold settles, <laughs> I got surprised last night. It kind of caught me off caught me off guard as it settled down on us, and I was watching people starting to kind of. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, Neil's already got already got the beanie on. It's I like it. Um, <laughs> so so it's this it's this rhythm between kingdom expansion and 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 building community. Now when we talk, often when I'm working with church planners, I kind of remind. I remind us that, that what we're actually doing is, is we're creating redemptive, redemptive missional communities. They're redemptive communities because they're, they're redemptive because we love people so much that we can't leave people as they are. You know, that, I know that all of us are broken in some ways. You know, all of us are, are, you know, are, are on a road to healing. Um, and God's taking us and he's, and he's repairing us and he's, he's transforming us and he's recreating some parts of us. But, but our, 
our communities, you know, the, the two churches that are represented here, you, you know, what, they, what your communities are is that they're redemptive centers. They're places where, where people's lives get changed, where we love people so much. You know, come as you are, but we love you too much to leave you as you are. It's, and that's the, that's the heart of this thing. And we're missional because we know that we've caught something so beautiful that we just can't, we, we can't leave it like that. And, it's, and they're communities, and that's what I want to lean into tonight a little bit. And, and, uh, in our church, you know, it's, it's funny, when, you know, we're not a big church in Central Auckland. We're, we've, we've sort of deliberately done the inner city church thing. And, um, but in our church, uh, you know, over, over the course of our church, we've actually had three, three uh, men who have been in the SAS, the, our special services. You know, which is kind of funny because it's not like we're not like we're a hugely macho church. You know, you know, I always tell people I'm a lover, not a fighter. You know, I'm just a nice guy, and um, and and yet we've had these we've had these special forces guys come and just and just love being part of our community. And I was waxing lyrical about this. You know, this 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 theme of the advancing edge has, has been something that's gripped me for for a long time. You know, and it's been a it's just been a really helpful framework for me. You know, over and over again to remind myself I'm looking for that edge. You know, all the time I'm looking for that edge. And I, I was kind of waxing lyrical on this. Um, you know, and talking about you know we, you know we get beachheads into into the into the community. And at the end of one of those kind of rants, you know, as you do, sorry, I'm sermon. Um, and, <laughs> Uh, yeah, this this guy, uh, what the the first SAS guy that came to our church, he came up to me and said, um, he "says we don't really do beachheads in the, in the military anymore." He says that we haven't done that since Vietnam. <laughs> he says they're asymmetric fire bases. That's what we do now. <laughs> it's like asymmetric fire bases. Holy moly, that's so much cooler than a beachhead, you know? Because <laughs> you know, this, you know, Pine Rivers is an asymmetric firebase. You know, um, Brisbane West is, is an asymmetric firebase. It's not like this uniform front that's moving forward. It's these little pockets of fire. You know, a, a couple, of, couple of years ago, I, I read, um, oh gosh, what's his name? Younger is his last name, but he, but he wrote, what is it? Mr. Yeah, Mr. Younger. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you very much. It's going to be a good night, I can tell. But he, you know, he wrote that book, Perfect Storm, that they turned into a really bad movie. Uh, but he also wrote a book called War. And it's, oh my goodness, it's an inspiring, it's an absolutely inspiring book. Anyway, has anyone read it? It's, it's, it's just to me, it's just, it really helped me with this whole thing of spiritual warfare. It really kind of helped me think about this thing of asymmetric firebases. Because um, it's talking about the Afghanistan campaign. And, um, you know, they, they would live in these firebases. They could sometimes be in those firebases for weeks on end with absolutely nothing. And all of a sudden it would turn to hell. You know, and, and it was, you know, but they would advance. They'd take territory. They'd push things back. You know, they'd bring, they'd bring peace into those places. And, and our churches are these, are these asymmetric firebases that, 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 you know, for all intents and purposes, for, you know, for, for a lot of the time, people just don't know that anything's happening amongst us. And, and yet when the time is right, you know, when those opportunities come, and, and, you know, and, and, you know God, God fills us with love and compassion, and we step out to that advancing edge of the kingdom, and stuff happens. You know, it, it's, it's the craziest thing, isn't it? It just seems like, at times, it just seems so unorganized. And yet, and yet you step back, and you kind of see the big thing, 
You know, when, when, we're, when we're kind of heads down, you know, and, and, we're just, and we're involved in the work of the ministry, we just don't notice the, the strategic plans of what's taking place. But God is working through churches just like yours and ours in New Zealand. You know, he's using people that, are, that, that you know, at times we're overwhelmed with our ordinariness. You know, and kind of go, I'm just, you know, I'm just such an ordinary person, you know. And, and yet, the kingdom has advanced. And, 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 and Matthew talks about the kingdom of God is forcefully advancing and, and forceful people take hold of it by force. I think I've probably got far too many forces in that sentence, but, <laughs> but there's a lot of force involved in this whole thing. You know? yeah, there's a, yeah, it's a force of people moving with force and forcefully advancing and grabbing people by force. Anyway, <laughs> so tonight... <laughs> All of that to say this, that, that I, want, I want to talk a little bit about, you know, so we've leaned into this thing of, you know, what does it mean to get out on that advancing edge? But then what do we do with people? You know, because we can't live there. You, you can't live in that place. You know, it's like we want, to, we want to build our fire bases as close as we possibly can to the advancing edge of the kingdom, but we can't actually live there. There's actually way too much tension. There's, there's way too much warfare that takes place at that edge. So there has to be this kind of sense of leaning, leaning into that and leaning back into this. And, and so I, I want to talk, and in one sense, uh, this, is, this is going to be quite a practical talk. You know, I, I'm probably not going to use a lot of Bible verses. Um, and, you know, in one sense, I can't give you a passage of Scripture that's going to kind of lock this together. But, but this is observation. And, and I want to talk about, I want to start first of all, I think, I think there's a little diagram that I want to flick up there. This is um, a, a book again that's been really helpful to me is M. Scott Peck's book, um, A Different Drum. And, um, and in this diagram, what he, what he talks about in that, in, that, um, in that book, and it's actually spurred quite a lot of research into, into how groups grow, you know, how they, how they move from just kind of being an amorphous blob of people, which, which is what happens when you plant churches. You just kind of gather a bunch of people and then kind of go like, okay, we've got to turn this thing into a church. You know, well, how do we do that? And he talks about these four stages of community building, that, that, that any, any group of human beings goes through these stages. It starts as pseudo-community, and then, and then if it has enough courage, it will, it will move out of pseudo-community into chaos. And then it will move into this, you know, having, having processed through chaos, it enters into this thing that he called, Peck calls emptiness. And then again, if we have enough courage and, and enough uh, sense of this is worth fighting for, we will actually end up with true community. Um, I, I've recently been reading another little book um, as, as part of my... Um, Part of my re- research uh, for for my masters uh, by by a, a, a vineyard guy, Dave Schmelzer, and he, he talks about he in one of his chapters I can't think of what the title of the book is, but in one of his chapters he talks about this thing of faith development, and he kind of says you know it's, it's interesting that that when you look at uh, James Fowler has a whole has a whole theory of of how people become. Um, adult. He talks about be- becoming adult. And, uh, and it's this thing of, of moving through the different stages of faith. And, and I love Smeltz's um, version of it. He kind of says the first stage of faith is what he calls the criminal phase. He says it's, 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 it's like a toddler. And a, and a toddler, in, in the toddler stage, it's always, everything's about me. You know, it's feed me, give me, sleep me, clean me, empty me, you know. It's, it's, you know, it's all those kind of things. It's all about me. You know, and a toddler never kind of says at the end of being fed, thanks, mummy for caring for me so beautifully. And what can I do for you now? <laughs> those of you who have, who have had children, and those of you particularly who have toddlers, will know that that never exists. You know, that, that is, and and what, 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 the reason he calls it a criminal stage is if, if we never get out of that, we, we, actually, we actually really 
jail is actually one of the things that can actually lead us to because, it, because we are so self-focused at that early stage of faith. But, but he says, you know, but then the next step, because we recognize that, you know, this, eventually God kind of taps us on the shoulder and says, it's, it's actually not about you. And, and he says the next stage is this, he calls it the rule-based phase. And he, and he says it's really interesting. There's, there's two institutions that really suit rule-based living and rule-based faith. He says there's, there's the uh, military and there's the church, which is kind of sad, really. Um, but it's the sense of, you know, we've had no direction. Now, now give me some kind of structure. Give me, give me some rules to keep. You know, give me, give me something that's going to kind of help me know what to do. But he says, you know, that's, that's a dreadful place to live. You know, it, it's, it's, it's meant to be a phase that we push through. And he says, you know, again, if, if people have the courage and if they have the health and if they've got the, the people calling them forward and inviting them to grow up, then, then we kind of go on to what he calls the rebellious stage. And the rebellious stage, he says, you know, the, the, you know, the human institution is probably the, the university. It's where, it's where you throw off all authority. And, and you question everything. And, you know, nothing, no, no easy answer is to be believed. And he says, you know, it, it's, it's that kind of sense. You know, and, and, he, and he says, you know, often what you see in church life is you see, is you see a, a bunch of people that are stuck in rule-based Christianity, and you have a bunch of people who are stuck in rebellious space Christianity lobbing rocks at each other and kind of going, That's, you know, you, you're, you're so wrong. And, and, and he says what we've got to do is we actually have to progress through that to what he calls the mystical place. And, and the mystical phase of faith development is this. There are no, no longer any easy answers. You know, the, the, the world of faith is not black and white. The world of faith is full of uncertainty. It's full of, it's full of um, uncertainty about what we do believe. It, and, and, but despite there being no easy answers, there's actually a huge sense of trust. You know, that we can't, we can't kind of pigeonhole God. We can't put him in a box. You know, there is no kind of, if, if you do this, you can't, he's no, he no longer is a slot machine God that if you, if you say the right words, push the right prayers, then you get the right answers. But, but we actually progress through this, you know, and, you know, and we, we recognize that in our own lives, I'm sure. You know, it, but churches are designed to actually help people progress through those stages. But sometimes churches can get stuck at different stages. So um, we, we might even be a little bit more familiar with it in terms of, you know, the, there's, a, there's a, another whole field of theory around how groups um, start. You know, so it could be a committee, it could be any kind of thing. But when you get a bunch of humans together, they go through these, these four stages of, uh, of, of forming, storming, norming, and performing. You know, and, and again, if you've, if you've ever been part of some kind of task force, some kind of group of people that are going to do something, you know, you kind of go through this first thing, we, we all come together, we form, then, then somewhere down the line we kind of realize that everyone else in that group is wrong, except for us. And, and, there's this, and we go through this stage of forming. Uh, of storming, I should say. And, and then, again, if we, if we have enough courage, we, we get to this place of kind of realizing, actually, the person that, I still think they're wrong, but they do have some sort of contribution. And, you know, there's, there's something they can really add to this group. And then, finally, the group becomes, becomes a, a group that actually does its task. And, and, I, and I also add a, a fifth stage, because, because we're kingdom people, and when we're doing this in church, I think it goes beyond that to transforming. So I think there's forming, storming, norming, performing, and then transforming, you know, and this is, this is the invitation he's taking us into. Anyway, so let's go back to Scott Peck, 
because um, I, I think this is actually really helpful because, because you are going to have, you're, you're, you are embarking into a season of church planning through your state. He's, he is going to give you, he's going to give you these churches. And, and part of this thing is, is helping, helping these churches become healthy enough so that we can help Christians not get stuck at the criminal stage, not get stuck at the, at, at the rule-based Christianity, not get stuck at the rebellious Christianity, but actually come right through to become, become truly mystical people who realize that, 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 that what we really have. You know, in one sense, at this point in my life, I kind of, I, I, you know, I, I don't mean this in a cutesy way, but I, I kind of feel like I know less now than, I, than I've ever known in, in my entire life, but I trust more than I ever have trusted. You know, that, that I, I just have this huge belief that it's kind of like, I don't have to have the exact words, you know, I don't have to have the, 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 the theology exactly right. Because I have, now I've come to realize that he's a big God who's, who actually spends a lot of his time cleaning up after me, you know, and sorting things out and, you know, kind of, you know, kind of feel sometimes after Sundays as people are driving home, he's kind of taking the stuff that I said out of their heads and hearts and popping truth back in again. And, you know, you know he's, he just has this huge ability to do this stuff. You know? So, so pseudo-community is this, is this first stage. It's, it's when we, you know, pseudo-community happens whenever we gather people around a cause or an event. You know, and, and it's interesting because we've talked about this thing of, of the advancing edge of the kingdom. You know, and, and the, one of the reasons why God doesn't want us to live at the advancing edge of the kingdom is because that won't help us actually develop true kingdom transformative communities. You know, it, it will actually just be, a, it'll be a cause. It'll be a project. And, and, we, and we can get people together around a cause or an event, you know, and, and the sense of connection is actually to the cause rather than to each other. And his intention is that, is that this church thing that we've, that we've been caught up in is not actually about the cause. The cause is meant to be a very big part of it, but that's not actually the center of this thing. You know, but, but when we're in pseudo-community, what happens is as long as the event keeps happening well, you know, as long as, as long as the church plant keeps adding and adding and adding, people are happy. But, but we know that, that churches never grow linearly. That they, you know, I, I've never seen a church that starts small and just keeps growing, 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 never, never, has, never has this stuff happening. You know, my observation of, of all the churches we've planted, of all the church leaders that I've, that I've interfaced with, it's always great seasons, tough seasons. You know, we grow, we decline. You know, we, we, you know, we kind of bust through one, you know, one boundary and then we plunge to the one that we passed through several years before. You know, and we push up to another one. It's, you know, it's, I, I wish it was like this, but it just isn't and, and because, it's, because it's people. So, so when, when the goals or the cause are being met, people stick together. But when we hit a bump, people kind of go, oh, this isn't fun anymore. And, and they, and they kind of go, I want to go with it. It's fun. You know, I, I want to be part of this thing that, that's just fun. And, and it's really interesting that the Holy Spirit is, is utterly committed to getting us to fulfill Jesus' passion. And, and, and Jesus' passion is John 17. And I want to, you know, the whole, the whole of John 17 is absolutely magnificent, but it's way too long to, to kind of read tonight. But I, I want to I pick it up when he, when he begins to pray for us. So, so first of all, the beginning of John 17, he kind of talks about this is life. The, the eternal life is knowing Jesus. You know, eternal life is knowing God. Um, and, and then he kind of prays for, the, for his, his, you know, the, the disciples who are following at that time. And then he, and then he changes gear. And I, I think this is one of the most beautiful moments in the, in the gospel. Because, because what it tells us is at that moment, he saw you and I. You know, as, as, the, as our king, at that moment, we flashed before his face. He says, well, I, this prayer is not for them alone. But I pray also for those who are going to believe in me through their message. 
that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they be also be in us that the world may believe that you have sent me. And I've given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I and them, you and me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. See, the passion of Jesus is this. And, and you know, as, as a young Christian, this didn't make sense to me. I've, I've, got, to, I've got to fess this up. I, I thought the action was what it was about. And, and, yet, and yet, when you, when you kind of dive back into the Scriptures again, you kind of go, actually, this is what he was so passionate about, that we would be one, that, that our hearts would be knit together. You know, it, that, we'd, that we'd go to the advancing edge of the kingdom and we'd, and we'd bring captives in to the church and then we would build community with them. You know, and there'd be this regular plundering darkness and, and populating heaven. You know, it, it's, it's this beautiful thing. It says, then the world will know that you sent me and have loved me even as you love them, even as you have loved me. Father, I want those you have given uh, me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory that you've given me because you love me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and I will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. And there's this, there's this incredible mystical thing that takes place when, when we get to this place of true community. When, when we know that the love that the Father has for Jesus and the love that Jesus has for the Father, that the Father is in Jesus and Jesus is in, you know, that, that, that there's this, this sense of how do you, how do you distinguish between them? Uh, it's, it's that sense, and he says, and that's what I want for my church. You know, I, I want us to be so caught up in this thing that my life is so entwined with your life. You know, that when you do well, I, you know, I, I, I get credit as well. And when you're in pain, I'm, I feel the pain. You know, it, it's, that, it's that incredible sense. And, and so, you know, pseudo-community, we just can't stay there. And so, you know, we, we, we start our churches and we go through this thing of kind of going like, you know, it, it, it all goes sweet. I think most church plants have started like this. You know, I, th I think if you think about the two churches that are represented here or the four with us as well, you know, that most church plants start with this incredible sweet, sweet phase of it's just feels like everything you touch just turns to gold. It's just, it's just awesome. And then all of a sudden, there's some bumps in the road. And some people begin to, to, to just disconnect. You know, and, and what, what Peck describes as chaos, I think, is a very observable pattern in most church growth. It's, it's this, you know, chaos happens because of our courage to go beyond the surface of just doing and serving. And, you know, doing and serving relationships are fine. You, know, you, you get stuff done with doing and serving, but you don't achieve Jesus' passion. His passion is that we would be one that our hearts would be one with each other, that we would be caught up in the sense of, you know, so what we find is that we find we're quite different from other people and there's friction and there's disagreement. And I tell you this, at this moment, and, and, and you know, I, I don't mean this as a judgmental sense, in any judgmental, judgmental sense at all, but rather just purely as an observation. I think there's not many churches that actually progress beyond pseudo-community. You know, in, in my humble opinion, and in my observation, I think, I think a huge proportion of churches actually have pseudo-community. That there's not this courage to actually go through this thing of chaos, of actually, of actually dealing with this friction, of the friction. You know, the huge temptation at that point is to head back to the shallow end of the pool and kind of go, it was much more fun there. This, this deep thing, this, this stuff where we're over our heads and we're really having to grapple with this thing, you know, this is difficult. And I, you know, like I say, I, I, and, and and, and please don't hear me, please don't hear it as a judgmental thing, but I, I think it requires real courage, the kind of courage that people like you and I have got and have said, you know, we want more. We don't want, we don't want to be a mission. 
We don't want to be a kind of an outreach team. We actually want to be church. You know, church is glorious. Church is worth fighting for, but church takes courage. And church actually takes really hard work to grapple with this thing. And, and then from chaos, what happens? Because, because chaos is the sense of everything within me just wants to bail. Everything within me wants to just kind of go, how do I get out of this painful thing and just get to a happy church again where everything's just joy and roses and we just dance through those things and everything's beautiful. You know, how do I get back into that kind of thing? But, but it's not life. It's, it's just a little bit of unreality. And, and, and so, so we go through chaos, and ca- if chaos wasn't bad enough, we enter into what Speck, uh, Speck, Peck calls, <laughs> he calls it, yeah, but he calls it um, emptiness. And it's, and it's having had our disagreements and differences with people, we've, we've left with this, with this feeling of emptiness. You know, we've sort of come to this place of realizing that the only way that we can actually have really true community, the only way we can actually have what Jesus died for, which was, which was that we would be one, that our hearts would be knit together, the only way we can have this is we have to learn to disagree agreeably. We actually have to learn to prefer our brother or sister in love. We actually need to, to, to come to this place of, I'm actually here to serve you. I'm here to cheer in your grandstand. You know, I, I'm here to share in your pain. I'm here to share in your successes. And, 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 but, but often, what, having done that, we're often left with a sense of feeling a little bit lost and, and, and drifting. You know, we've worked through those dis- differences, and, we've, and in humility, we've, we've actually learned to really appreciate one another. And I, and I think both Dan and, and Vicky kind of touched on this thing of we actually need people that are, that are different from us. You know, hospitality is, is, the, is extending a welcome to a stranger, someone who's different from us. And, it, and it's, in one sense, it's very easy to have churches full of people just like us. You know, and one of the, this is not what I'm talking about tonight, but, but one of the scary things is that, is that in, in that kind of church, we tend to create a Jesus who's just awfully like us. You know, he's just a slightly better model of us, you know. And I think a lot of spirituality is actually built around a false Jesus. That, it's, that Jesus, is, Jesus is a lot like me, except just, just more consistently nice. You know, but he likes my kind of music. He likes my kind of food. He likes my kind of friends. He likes to go to the places I go to. You know, it, it's, and we create, we create a God in our own image. And, and, and that's why we actually, we actually need chaos to grow beyond that, to grow beyond the criminal stage of our faith, to go, to go through those different stages of faith. It, it requires real churches to create real Christians. And I wish there was an easier way. <laughs> I wish you could go to a six-week course. <laughs> but it's just, there isn't one. <clears throat> and part of growing through this stage, and I think the emptiness stage, and I, I want to I focus a little bit in on this, on this emptiness stage just for a few moments. And because I actually think at this, at this emptiness stage, this is actually the point where we, where we develop Christian character. I'm, I'm pretty convinced of it. I think, I, th- I think we go through the happy phase, we go through the fighting phase, and then we go into this phase of going like, wowza, you know, I, I've been happy, I've been sad. What other emotion is there? You know, is, is, there, is there anything for me to grasp? And I think at this moment, this whole thing that, that Paul talked about, about the fruit of the Spirit, you know, the advancing edge of the kingdom is, is, is all about using the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. I think, I think this thing of the building community is actually, is actually this, God creates this opportunity for us to form the nine fruit of the Spirit. It's, it's an absolutely beautiful thing. I think there's beautiful symmetry about this, that, that as, we, as we keep moving from foot to foot, these two things begin to form in us. We get better at the gifts, and the fruit of the Spirit grows stronger in us. In, the, in Galatians 5, uh, 22, well, let me, let, actually, what's on the screen? 
Um, it kind of it kind of does a whole list of, of terrible things, you know. It's, and you read that list and you go, "Oh God, please help us." And and verse forty, uh, verse twenty two, he says, "But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Jesus Christ, uh, to Christ Jesus, have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. So since we live by the Spirit." Keep in step with the Spirit. And again, that's that, that's that picture of, of you know, moving to the right, moving to the left, advancing edge, building community, advancing edge, building community. What's he doing? Is he sending us out or is he calling us to grow together? Is he, is he actually building something in us? You know, and again, the, the gifts of the Spirit are like the senses of the church. They're the, they're the tools of the church. And the fruit of the Spirit is like the, it, it, it's like the nature of Christ being formed in us individually. But I, but I actually think the fruit of the Spirit is, is designed to be corporate. You know, I also think the gifts of the Spirit are meant to be corporate. I don't think He intends for us to be kind of lone rangers that are, that are just super Christians. I, th- I think part of, the, part of His reason for the church is that, is that we bring our part, and it actually makes a difference when we each play our part. But He's perfectly developed each of these fruit and each of these gifts to, to, perform, to, to create these magnificent missional communities that transform people's lives. So when he talks in here about love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control, those things begin to come to the fore at this place of emptiness when we've had our, when we've had our battles. You know, and, and just very briefly, and you know, I, I'll try and kind of race through this as, as best as I can, but, but I think each one of these things is actually really important. When you kind of think about, you know, think about the fruit of the Spirit being forged in this place of having had our battles, you know, we've, we've, we've had the courage to kind of go, I can't settle just for ordinary. I can't settle for church just being a glorified Rotary Club, you know, or, or a glorified school committee, you know. Uh, you know, I, I want more. You know, I actually want something where our lives are so, so enmeshed in a, in a, in a very positive, healthful way that, 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 it, that it actually produces, you know, it's not just one and one make two. It, it's one and one make ten. You know, it's, and it's, that's the picture of what church is meant to be. Church, see, I, I love the church. I, I am big on church because I've seen the power that it has to change, to transform lives. I learned to, be a, I to be a man in church. I learned to be a father in church. I learned to be a husband, a Christian husband in church. You know, it was, it was by watching other men who are, who are, you know, decades ahead of me and, and, and streets ahead of me in terms of maturity. I learned that in church. I learned how to deal with difficulty. I learned how to let, deal with, with failure. I learned how to, dis, to, to deal with conflict in church. You know, so I, I'm, I'm pretty big on church. And, and he says, this is what love is. And, and we're familiar with this. And, and again, you know, it's, it's interesting that, that the love chapter, um, you, you know, 1 Corinthians 12 is, is the chapter that talks about the, the charismatic gifts of the Holy Spirit. And, and then it gives a second list where, where it kind of enmeshes with the, with the uh, Ephesians 4, 11 and 12 gifts. And, and then you get chapter 13. And then, and then chapter 14 is about, is about how do you use the gifts of the Holy Spirit in a, in a corporate setting. You know? So that's how, you, that's how you use it on the street. That's how you use it when we get together. And, and, you know, and so, and so it's, it's really significant that 13 comes between 12 and 14. Not only because that's the way that you count, but, but, it's, but love is meant to be the very core of, of how these things work. So he says, if I speak in human or angelic tongues but don't have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can, and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains but I don't have love, 
I'm nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but don't have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It doesn't envy. It doesn't boast. It's not proud. It doesn't dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Uh, where you have prophecies, they'll cease. Where there's tongues, they'll be still. But where there is, and where there is knowledge, it'll pass away. But now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. You know, and, and it's almost like the echo. It's, it's Paul's echo of, that, of that, um, that, that really scary thing at the end of the Sermon on the Mount where he says, you know, that, that you know, many will come to me in that day saying, Lord, Lord, did I, did I not prophesy in your name? And he says, I, I, I have no idea who you are. You know, it's, isn't that a terrifying scripture? Because he's, he's talking to the good guys at that point. You know, he's not talking to, to people that have rejected him. He's talking to people that have just got lost, you know, in, in, in doing the stuff. <clears throat> and it's interesting that the opposite of love, and sometimes, sometimes it's helpful to kind of see how these things work by their opposite, but the opposite of love is indifference. It's actually not caring about each other. You know, and you kind of go, so, it's, you know, so, so we're, we're about this thing of building community, and you just see, oh, my goodness, how could we possibly build, build real Christian community without this kind of thing being at, being at work? You know, because, and, and again, sometimes, see, I, I think church is extremely risky, but, it, but I think it's worth the risk. You know, it, it's worth this thing of trusting other, others with our lives. It, it's worth this thing of, of kind of going like, well, you know, I'm, I'm going to, I need to be patient and kind and not, not envy and not, not be boastful, not be proud, you know, not be self-seeking. But, but there's this, this incredible sense. You know, we, we as Westerners are so, are so caught in this thing of, of, of ourselves, you know, self-development, self-actualization, you know, of, of, you know it's, it's, it's how, do I, how do I do this? It's, it's Jesus and me. You know, and, and yet so much of the scriptures is actually written in the corporate sense. It's, it's the church plural. We do this. And, and what love does is, is love is the, is the first step into this thing of, of, of moving. You know, we've had the courage to kind of go, we're not satisfied with pseudo-community, but we're going to need something profound. We're going to need something that's so strong. See, I, I, you know, I, I love it when you see miracles take place. You know, and, and, that, and we kind of recognize them as power things. You know, they're, they're, they're activities of power. But I also want to suggest this, that the fruit of the Spirit are actually also power activities. They, they transform a group of disconnected people who, who, who often are quite focused on ourselves, and it turns it into one church, you know, where the, where the temple where God can dwell, where, where, where worship's given up. Um, the, the, you know, love, joy. Joy, is, joy just means, it, it, you know, joy is so different from happiness. You know, there's no guarantee in this life at all that we'll be happy. You know, Jesus didn't die for us to be happy. He, he died that we would have joy, you know, that, that we would have this strong sense. It, it's, a, it's a powerful feeling of pleasure that all will be well. And what joy does to a community, you know, when, when, when we gather together as a church, joy comes out because the opposite of joy is hopelessness. You know, and we grab hold of it. You see, the message of the gospel is always about hope. And what hope does is hope unleashes joy in the midst of the people who are going through this thing of emptiness and chaos and, you know, kind of going like, will, will this thing ever become what it's meant to be? And it unleashes this incredible power within us that kind of goes, oh, my goodness. You know, even though it's pretty bad now, it's not going to stay like that. 
You know, that there, is, that there is something beyond this if we can just push through this. Love, joy, peace. Peace, the, the, the word for peace is, you know, sometimes we kind of think about peace as being like, you know, just let's, 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 let's all be nice to each other. But, but peace, you know, there's, there's quite a profound difference between being a peace lover and a, and a you know, a peacekeeper. I often say to people, you know, the worst job in the world is a peacekeeper. You know, you stand between two armies who hate each other. You pop on a little blue hat, you know, or a blue beret. You don't get to have a gun. And you stand between two people who want to kill each other. You know what? It's the most awful job in the world. And sometimes, sometimes we try and do that in church life. You know, that, that, that we're, not trying to, we're not trying to keep the peace. We're trying to make the peace. And making peace, you know, it's interesting. I'm, I'm probably... Probably this could be why we keep getting people from the special forces. But you know what? The original kind of Smith and Wesson, I think, was known as a peacemaker. You know that that gun, that that revolver, was known as a peacemaker. Because sometimes you have to make war in order to get peace. You know, you can't just let wrong triumph. We can't just let things that that shouldn't be, to, you know, be there. And so what God's inviting us to do is, as we as we take this this incredibly courageous journey into into becoming building community. As we lean into this thing of peace, you know, and we, and we begin to, as Gary Best says, he, I love the phrase that he coined where he says, we're to be a non-anxious presence in a world filled with anxiety. Isn't that a beautiful phrase? To be a non-anxious presence in a world filled with anxiety. That's, that's our contribution, and, we, and that comes in church life. Patience is the next fruit of the Spirit. You know, and, the, and, and patience comes from a Greek word, macrothumia. Macro is long, you know, micro, macro. Macro is long, and thumia is fuse. And so what, is, what, what Paul's saying is we need to have a long fuse with each other, you know, before we flare up, before we kind of go, that's it. You know, I'm going to tell you some of the home truths. You know, I'm going to tell you what I really think. You know, but we need a long fuse if we're actually going to be able to build kingdom community amongst each other. <clears throat> a man called Adele Bestaroff. I'm, I'm probably pronouncing it like Siri would pronounce it. Bestaroff. <laughs> um, says, patience with others is love. Patience with self is hope. And patience with God is faith. Patience with others is love. Patience with self is hope. And patience with God is love. It's this, it's, the, the opposite is to, just, is to give up. It's the, it's the short fuse. It's the, it's the quick anger. When, you know, that, that thing that rises up within us. See, see I, I, I've often been in conversations with people and, and, you know, over some frustrating things. You know, and at, the, at the moment where I'm almost ready to kind of go, you know, I just really want to... I want to I tell you something that I know I really shouldn't tell you. <laughs> I'm, I've, I've begun to recognize over a period of time, at that moment, that's when I need macrothumia. You know, th- that's the moment. Because if, if I can just hold my fuse long enough, we'll find reconciliation. But I tell you, I've, I, it's the funniest thing. I've, I, you know, it happens over and over again in my life. I'm just, I, this, this feeling of anger just begins to rise up within me. I'm just like, I've so had it with this situation, with, with what's happening here. And, and yet long fuse kind of goes like, but just let's not jump, let's not, let's not jump to the conclusion yet. Let, let's create a little bit of space for God to step into here and let's see what might happen. We actually might end up with community. Um, kindness. Seems like such a, such a weak word, but kindness is practical love. You know, it, it's, it, it's actually about value. When, when we use kindness with somebody else, you know, none of us would think twice about spending $1,000 fixing something in a house. You know, if we had a, a roof leak or something, we'd kind of go, 1000 bucks, you know. Uh, well, 
probably still be a stretch, I imagine, but, but you know, but, but we kind of go, look, it's worth spending $1,000 to fix the hole in the roof, the leak in the roof. But, but I'm guessing that none of us would spend $1,000 on a toaster. And this, this is a particularly, you know, it, it comes into your room, asks you what you want, it, it butters it, puts the peanut butter on, puts the jelly on top, you know. I mean, if it's that kind of toaster, maybe it's a thousand bucks is worth it. But, but, but it's actually this thing about value, you know. So, so what kindness says is this. It's, see, kindness is the opposite of self-centeredness. It, it's kind of looking at another person. And, and what, I, I think what the fruit of the Spirit often does is, is, it, is it inserts a pause in our conversations. It inserts a pause. So we kind of go, and what might be God? What might God be doing in this situation in this person's life? You know, so the opposite of self-centeredness is is this thing of kindness, goodness. Again, you know, sometimes sometimes these words you, we kind of read them. You know, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. You know, yada yada yada. It's just you know, is, is that just kind of like you know, sickly sweet tea or something? But it, but it's, these things are so powerful. They they will actually enable us to form real Christian community, which actually will have the ability to change the world. These communities, these, these asymmetric firebases will change the world. They'll change the state of Queensland. They will change the, the, they'll change the spiritual temperature in, in, in the nation of Australia. The, these things actually have, you know, they, they seem like they're just, they're just full of ordinary people. But because something's been formed, real community has been forged in these things, and we're people who know how to lean into community, we need to lean into this advancing edge of the kingdom, those things change things. So, so goodness is, is, is actually an, an integrity thing. You know, what, what goodness means, it's, it's almost like an engineering term. You know, integrity means, you know, if a bridge has integrity, what it, if it was designed to be able to carry a 10-ton load across it, and you would say, that's a good bridge. If, if it could carry, you know, if, if trucks with a 10-ton load could drive across that without the bridge collapsing, you'd go, that's a good bridge. That has integrity. And that's, that's what it's talking about here, of, of goodness. That when we have this ability to actually build into our relationships goodness, where we kind of go, I want to build something that can carry something. It can, it can carry someone when they're going through a tough time. That, that there's an ability to, you know, to, to see the opposite of goodness is evil. And, and, and evil is, is such an easy thing to, it, it's so easy just to kind of lean into evil. But goodness says this, I want to build a structure that can actually transform lives. I want to, I want to be able to build something. I want to be able to create space in my life. And I, want to, and I want the corporate fruit of goodness in our church in order that lives can be transformed. Let me, let me move on just quickly. Faithfulness. It's the ability to be utterly reliable to what we say is what we do. You know, the, 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 the root word of faithfulness is the same as, as, as faith, of loyalty, of courage. And the, the opposite is to be an opportunist, to be, a, to be a friend only in the good times. So what faithfulness is, is, is we build into, you know, as, as we've moved from kind of realizing, actually, this is not going to be as easy as we thought, that, that this is actually going to require some very great effort. You know, we're, we're really familiar with, you know, if you've ever worked with a couple that, that, are, that are facing the, the incredible pain of infidelity. That's, that's something, you, you think about how destructive infidelity is. And then you can't, you know, often it's easier to learn from the negative. You, if that's how destructive, if that's how painful, if that, that, that destroys whole family lineages when, when infidelity comes into a family. But you kind of go, so imagine what could happen if fidelity came and if faithfulness came into a community where it's like we, we're going to fight for this thing. Gentleness. Almost got one more to go. But gentleness is this ability to have strength under control. And, and it's interesting, you know, again, it, it seems like such a, such a passive thing. But actually the opposite, the counterfeit of, of gentleness is passivity. 
Gentleness is actually strength under control. It's kind of going like, you know, we could blow, we could blow this thing up, but we're not going to, you know. I could, you know, I could really hurt you. You know, one of the, in our domestic violence ads in New Zealand, we, you know, one of the, one of the pictures that really sticks with me is this, you know, it's kind of a rugby player. Who has, who's got the World Cup? Oh, no, sorry, that's, a, um, sorry. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Just checking that we're still awake in the coldness of the evening. But, but it's got this ginormous rugby player, you know, no neck, you know, <laughs> and holding a little wee baby. You know, he's got, a, he's got his little newborn baby in his arms. You kind of go, I mean, that guy could just crush the baby just like that. You know, he's a monster. And, and yet that's the picture of gentleness, that, that we could actually really harm each other. See, the, the nature of true community is this. We can be deeply hurt in community. I think there's a, there's a proverb that says, you know, that, that, uh, talks about receiving wounds in the house of a friend. You know, it's, and it's, it's actually better to get to get wounded in the house of a friend than it is to get compliments in the house of strangers. You know, I'm, I'm probably absolutely destroying that scripture as I'm saying that. But, oh, you know, add, add that one to it if it's not in there already. <laughs> but but, 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 there's this, but there's this beautiful fruit of gentleness that, that we could, you know, we could, in that place, of, in that place of, of intimacy, we can really hurt each other. And yet the challenge of true community is this. That, that we could hurt, we could, you know, we, we, we begin to know things about each other. You know, we begin to hear, hear things about each other and we have the ability to kind of go, I'm not going to pass that on. You know, I, I'm, you, know, we, I, I, you know, one of the things I think that I, I just get so stoked about when I meet a church that doesn't have gossip, I'm just like, you know, this, this is a church that's pushed through chaos and it's pushed through emptiness and it's begun to really enter into this thing of true community. You know, the, I tell you, I, 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 think, I think the thing of gossip is one of the most destructive things that takes place because it's the opposite of, this, you know, of, of all the fruit of the Spirit. You know, so we come to this place of real intimacy with each other where we know each other's strengths and weaknesses. You know, I, I often tell people in, in our church, you know, look, you, you, know, you know me, and I, I feel incredibly loved and supported in our church because you know my weaknesses, and you could exploit my weaknesses. You could can, you can make fun of my weaknesses if you wanted to. You could, you could belittle me because of the things that I don't do very well. And, and yet you really compliment me and you, and you call me forward in the things that I do do well. And, and that, just, that just causes me to keep stepping forward and, to, and keep growing. And then there's this final thing of self-control. Of, of, you know, of, of having, it, it, it's interesting, self-control sometimes at, at its first look, you kind of think self-control is actually being incredibly disciplined. But I, but I don't think that's what it's about. I, I, think it's, I think it's this thing of actually having inner strength. You know, and, and old, an old word is temperance. It, it's this ability to kind of go, there's a lot of things I could do with my life. There's a lot of things that, that, you know, a lot of directions I could go. But I choose to step into building true community. You know, I, I, could, I could just pursue my own career. I could, I could choose to pursue my own ministry. But what I'm actually going to do is I'm actually going to lend my strength to build this one glorious thing, this passion of Jesus. And so we move through this thing, and, you know, and I know I've you know, probably given you a whole lot of words tonight. There's a, there's a whole lot of stuff I've, talking about, I've talked about here. But, but I, I just think that all of us have got this hunger in our hearts to kind of go, I want, you know, that's the journey I want to go on. I, you know, I, I don't want to settle for pseudo-community. And I don't want to live in that place where we're fighting with each other. 
You know, and I don't want to. I don't want to just live in the place of emptiness where it kind of, you know, it just means nothing to be part of this body. I want to lean into this thing. I want to. I want to lend my strength. I want to. I want to bring my fruit, my contribution to the fruit of the spirit, to to you know to let Pine Rivers Vineyard, to let to let Brisbane West West Vineyard become true community because that will powerfully change lives people will be transformed in that place see I, see I, again when vicky was talking this afternoon and this is honestly pretty much the last thing i'm going to say <laughs> how's that <laughs> how's that covering all the bits <laughs> but but see i i came into the kingdom I, I had encounters with god but what really caught me into the kingdom was the community i i saw people who really loved me you know people People invited me to, to be with them. They loved me to life. And that's what captured my heart. And I, and I just think, you know, we need both. We need, we need the advancing edge. We need the kingdom expansion. And we need this thing of building community. Now, where do we go from here? You know, this is a kind of a message that, that kind of doesn't naturally lend itself in turn. Let's, let's pray for this. And yet, I think there is something we can pray for. I, I think we can pray for courage. And I think we can pray for a deep sense of hope because we are good people. You know, Jesus has hand-selected us. He's, he's plucked us out of, our, you know, out of the lives that we were living. And he's kind of gone, and this is the church. This is the community. These are the people I want you to live with. You know, these are the ones that I want you to grow up with. I, I love what Wimber used to say when he says, I want to grow up before I grow old. You know, and, and I've, I, more and more I've come to realize the depth of what he was saying with that. Because it, it wasn't just kind of, you know, I, I want to act more like a grown-up. He was capturing the sense of th- that I want true community. You know, I, 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 you know, I don't want to be this individual trying to, trying to fit into a, you know, just a, just a whole bunch of disconnected people. I actually, I actually want to be part of something that's moving as a whole. That that when Pine Rivers Vineyard, uh, you know, when it kind of says we're going to go after this, we go as a whole. You know, we, we go with heart, soul, and mind. We've we've got each other's backs. We're cheering in each other's grandstands. So, why don't we, if you can, if your joints are still uh, mobile enough, you haven't been locked into place with coolness, why don't we stand? And I would love to just pray a simple prayer, and yet I think it's going to be a very profound prayer. Oh, yeah. Stretch those cold joints. Yeah, Yeah, baby. So, Holy Spirit. We just want to say yes to community. We want to say yes to this adventure. That, Lord, that you haven't invited us as lone rangers. Lord, you haven't invited us just as, as people that are just by ourselves meant to go and do great exploits. You have actually invited us to become a glorious bride. The living representation of your, of your body, your physical body on earth. In Brisbane, here in Pine Rivers, Lord, in Auckland, You've invited us into this amazing adventure. And I thank you for the power. Lord, we're really aware, Lord, that that you looked at the Tower of Babel and you said they they are so united in, in language and purpose, nothing will stop them from doing anything. And that was, a, Lord, this, this thing of unity, was that, that was, the, that was the, the counterfeit of what your intention is for the church. And so, Holy Spirit, I, I, want, I, I thank you for the two churches here in Queensland. And Holy Spirit, I want to ask you right now that you, would, that you would, again, you'd take them another click, you'd take them another step forward, that, that, that you would give them the stretch, Lord, to, to not settle 
for for you know for for the shallow end of the pool, but to dive in. Lord, again, as that as that prophetic message was read to us, those words were read to us tonight. That that starts as ankle deep, goes knee deep, and then it goes. It's it's deep enough to swim in. I thank you that your intention is for our churches to be places where people swim where we are well over our head. And Lord, if, if it feels that we're up to our neck, Lord, give us the courage to, to take another step into the deeper part of this river. Give us courage, we pray in Jesus' name. So right around this room here, Lord, and for the people, Lord, for the people in our churches that aren't here tonight, right now we want to ask you for them. Lord, we ask you that you would give us, as people, as a church, that you would give us the courage to lean into this thing of true community, that, the, that these would be communities. They would, they would be like, you know, in, in a positive sense, they'd be like Tower of Babels in, in this city, that they would be places where nothing is impossible. So come, Holy Spirit. Come, Lord. I want to ask you, Lord, for the Lord for the unfolding, the full development of these fruit of the Spirit. Lord, that you would that you would overflow us with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Let that ooze out of the pores of our bodies. Lord, let it let it, Lord let it impact the unbeliever, but Lord, let it let it cement our churches into these incredible uh, units, these asymmetric fire bases, Lord, that are planted all through this great nation of Australia. So would you come, Lord Jesus? Would you come, Lord?